0: Consequence of competing it's body dysmorphia that obviously affects both women and men. I think women much more Um, How did you deal with this personally and uh, what do you recommend your clients for show to do in order to stay Mm -hmm. sane? Because so many people get into anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. due to that Um, Have been there done that (laughs) Maybe in another episode I'll talk more about that, but just a few hints here.
1: Well, it's a really complicated topic, and we love you and I. We both love talking about this because we've probably both had body dysmorphia, we've dealt with people who have had it. You know, it's something that never really goes away, it's part of being human. Mm. Um, you know, I probably grew up with body dysmorphia because but I was at a certain
0: uh, degree that you need to kind, kind of like keep it there, balance and not over, you know, let it overdrive your life because, that's yeah. Huge. I,
1: I find the most important thing, if I give my clients one piece of advice when they start competing, it's to um, try not to compare themselves to other people. Mm -hmm. And this is a a piece of advice that would be worth for anyone in any walk of life, right? Because comparison is the thief of joy, which is one of my favorite sayings by Ted Roosevelt. And... It's like when you're doing competition, it's so easy to start scrolling through Instagram. And I see a lot of my clients, particularly my female clients, when I go into my DMs, I can see that they're active.
0: Instagram just, destroyed people's lives because of uh, not being able to manage their expectation due to comp- uh, uh, comparing.
1: And I, I think actually um, the, the world of competing, if you could separate that from the existence of Instagram, it would be a lot more healthy on people's body dysmorphia. Absolutely. So this, this comparison with others uh, takes place through social media. And even though people know that the lens of social media is very warped and, and airbrushed, people still don't believe it. Mm-hmm. And um, my favorite saying that I say to a client, and again, it is interesting you mentioned girls because girls tend to, to do this more. They'll show me a picture of a girl and they'll be like, right, okay, yeah, I've been looking at this girl. And I'm like, okay, great. You've got a competitor's physique that you like the look of. And they'll say, yeah, um, I've seen this girl. And I say, um, I want this girl's body. I want to look like this girl. And I say, all right, well, let me tell you what. It's fine that you want to look like that girl. But I want to let you know that even she wants to look like that girl. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, she doesn't look like this. This is like the best photo of 100 photos. And she's done a little of airbrushing. So even she wants to look like that. Mm-hmm. So it's probably down to the social media mm-hmm. thing. I think for me, I I managed my body dysmorphia. I don't think I ever really managed it. It was like in between competitions, you know, the body tends to get a little bit softer, a little bit deflated. I would just try and, um, I think I internalized all those little negative things. I would just, it would just bother me internally. I wouldn't talk about it. It would just bother me and I'd make plans to get myself in shape, you know? So I was the typical male trainee, on and off competition, on and off cycle, and, and just dealing with the highs and the lows. Um, and I think the danger is that it leads male and female trainees to try to stay in shape and stay competition ready year-round, which is not healthy. Sometimes it's not possible anyway, and that leads to more issues. Yeah. So, you know, um, the typical thing you've seen is trainee does a show. They have a um, horrible rebound because they don't do a reverse diet. Then you see them in the gym on the treadmill for two hours a day or on the stair climber. And you say, "What are you doing? Are you doing another show?" No, no. I'm just trying to, like, just trying to stay lean. Why are you trying to stay lean? Oh, just you know. And it's like, oh. <laughs> so it's That's it's sticky. Very sticky. That
0: these competitions uh, are also an, um, an ego builder.
1: Massively, yeah.
0: Because it actually changes your personality. When you look in the mirror and you see the way you look, you feel like much more empowered to do anything that you think you can do anything Definitely. you want in life. But then the moment you stepped out of the stage and you've been binging for two months, you're depressed and then you feel like, who am I? You yep. kind of lose your identity once exactly. you're competing. So this transition from um, um, uh, being like with such a huge ego into getting into depression, this is one of the things that we need to understand that you, know, you have to learn how to manage it. Um, yep. How did you manage yours?
1: Well, it's another really interesting term. We, we speak about um, body dysmorphia and you, you mentioning like ego and identity, you know, these are such fundamental human um, issues, you know, um, I can't remember which psychologist he refers to like the, the, the pillar of um, the pyramid of like human cognitive function. Yeah,
0: that's why I mentioned them three.
1: Yeah. And the, the base layer is our identity. It's like, mm-hmm. who am I? What do I mean? And, you know, this is all about um, having been like nurtured as a child. This goes back to our our childhood. If you had good parents, they would have told you that they love you and that, you know, you're special and you're worthwhile and you can do anything. And then you grow up with a, a solid identity and you've been you've been esteemed. And then. I think this fitness industry will occasionally affect people that have not had so much of that when they were younger. So if you don't have that um, don't have pillar have of,
0: mental base of like a personality. Yeah. Identity. So it's
1: like, you know, um, then we go seeking for identity elsewhere. So we choose um, jobs or um, career paths that give us an identity. Like, I want to be successful. I want to be wealthy. I want to be an actor. I want to be a race driver, a sports person, a bodybuilder. And then, like you said, um, this gives us that ego boost. We feel like we have this identity. And then, you know, it's kind of taken away because the physique is a fragile thing that can come and go. So then the rug gets pulled away and we end up, like, kind of losing this identity again. So it is really tough, and I just...
0: The bottom line bodybuilders out there who do not have a spiritual base that helps you to discover and understand your identity yes with, um <laughs> go back to school <laughs> no i don't want to say that but you, know, you need to kind of step step back a little bit understand who you are yes. what you stand for why you're here for and then everything is going to flow differently
1: Yes. I mean, for me personally, when I was prior to bodybuilding success, I was a DJ. Um, I had, I had a career as an architect.
0: Yeah, I remember that. Yeah.
1: And whilst being an architect, because I, like, architecture didn't give me any kind of identity. I wanted to be like the cool guy. I wanted Mm -hmm. to be like the alpha male because that that wasn't what I was like at school. So it all stems from being young and how, how your child develops. So when I was DJing, I was able to have this identity as, like, you know, the creative um, entertainer, and my DJing career spanned like 10 years, and I had a lot of success and a lot of travel with it. Then, when I became a personal trainer, that identity was lost, and I was like, Who am I? I'm just a personal trainer now. Well, there's lots of personal trainers around I need to, I need to be special. So, then fitness competitions came in. So, I think that um, if there's one piece of advice I give to people that are competing, if they can um, avoid this identity crisis, is to try and make sure that they're Competing is there to feed a business because most PTs of most competitors are PTs or a lot of them. And I say to them, look, you know, um, you could do this for business reasons and not just for kind of like ego reasons, mm-hmm. because if it's for business reasons, you'll get something at the end of it. You'll have more clients and you'll have a bit more exposure and all this kind of thing. But I see so many people that are competing and you know, they're um, on Instagram there you, you can tell they're not really filling a business need they're just kind of stroking their ego and yeah. as we said that is very fragile that can crash down at any point so yeah. I think um uh, aside from having great parenting and being told that you're special anyway but not everyone has that so I think they should try and um, make sure there's a like a business reason for it and, and that doesn't mean that being a competition winner gets you any money mm-hmm. but there are spin-offs from doing competitions and um I benefited from my comp it helped my business so
0: of course yeah well you definitely did it the right way and this is awesome it's such a great advice and uh, thank you for this i wanted to touch another very sensitive point here um because we have so many federations at the moment worldwide mm. of mm. Building, of competing um and um how about the politics there's a lot of politics here
1: yeah
0: did you encounter that in your own own career or i'm i'm sure all your clients had to deal with that um, yeah,
1: it's a bit it's a big thing. I mean I can speak certainly about the federations I've had direct involvement with. Mm-hmm. I've been very lucky enough to judge for the two federations that did the most for me personally and maybe vice versa was Miami Pro. And, used to uh, do that as
0: well,
1: yeah, Yeah, um, U UK's probably most well-known amateur show, now a pro show as well. They also now go into Romania. They just had the Romania show, and they now in Holland. I
0: think it's now in November, uh, a show in Romania.
1: Yeah, so they had the Romania show. they have the Holland Show in November, and they have the London uh, St. Albans Show. So they have three shows a year. Um, I find that in Miami Pro, they're fairly they, Angie has been accused wrongly, I think, of favoritism. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why that is. It's a typical scenario where your fitness competitor, goes to a show they think they're the best because you know they've driven by I must win I must win and I've seen it when I've been judging the guy's up there and he doesn't win he gets second or third but his friends told him that he was the best
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and when he posts up the photo on social media all his friends on on social media go oh man your abs are way better than his you should have won Mm -hmm. and he's like yeah I should have won and he starts tagging Angie or Miami Pro telling them like they're corrupt and it's like it's a fix and I've seen this before and me and Angie are looking at these posts and I'm going this guy is so deluded like he mm. thinks that because his friends told him he got better apps, and I always say to people if you weren't judging the show you are not qualified to say who the winner should be and yeah. if you weren't even sat there in the audience you're looking at photos you shouldn't even be talking about it So we have this one side of the story, which is, um, you've got the sore loser, you know, it's a bit of a come down when you don't want to show. So it's easy to blame the Federation. Yeah. Now this is an amateur show where I, I don't believe there's much of this kind of favoritism. We have another issue. Whereas most federations have coaches judging and I'm one of these people. So I have judged every show I've ever judged apart from two bros. I've had at least one client in the competition. So this would cause problems. For some people, they'd be like, well, that's not fair because you're going to be favourites. But the thing is, judging, as I'm sure you know, is something we take very seriously. And my Mm -hmm. credibility is at stake. So if I'm sat at a table, and for WFF, for example, they have a very um, formal meeting at the halfway point when the curtain goes down the meeting happens and we start talking about who the winner's are. Alison sits there with a, with a clipboard and she goes through one by one, every competitor in the top five, top three. Why do we choose that person? She goes around the room and she doesn't finish deciding until everyone's decided and agreed as a group. So if they go around the room and say, right, bikini, uh, who have you got for first, second and third? And my client's in, in there and no one mentions my client. And I'm like, uh, no. And I just keep my mouth shut because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put my hand up and say my client's the best. So the point I'm trying to make is um, we have to have integrity because if I didn't have integrity, I wouldn't be able to judge. Because I the, wish
0: everyone would be like you because I'm not actually hundred percent sure that everyone is like you, James, in this industry. <laughs> this is the problem because like the, the way you talk now, and I'm sure you do that because I know you for such a long time and I know your values, your high morals. But uh, I wish everyone would be the same and think the same.
1: I mean, but- I don't get me wrong if i thought i could get away with it i would probably try and twist some arms but it's important to me that so when i judge the WF show in london uh, four times in a row over the last four years mm-hmm. um alice and paul they always ask me back and it's a very prestigious show i get to judge the pro lineup as well so we' i'm part of the decision who's the new european pro fitness dealer champion mm-hmm. um this is the category you competed in so it's very competitive and these girls have spent so much money on their outfits mm-hmm. and um So, I need to build, I need Alison to know that I am um, being impartial because then when I was in California last week, Alison was like, Oh, you're in California, come and judge, you know, come and judge the show rather than her thinking, Well, he's just like, yeah. But there is one thing I would say, a caveat on top of that is when you do get to the pro ranking, it's hard for promoters and judges to not be influenced because, as you know, at that point, an athlete. Uh, An athlete has probably done quite a few shows. They probably Mm -hmm. spent quite a lot of money with that federation. They probably even know the CEO or the head judge. They know them on first name terms. Mm -hmm. So then it gets harder to be completely impartial. And you'll see things like federations, they start posting a photo of one of their athletes. And you think, oh, why are they posting him and not one of the other 10 athletes? And then they post that guy again. And you're like, he's had two posts now on the social feed. Why nobody else? And you think, is this because... He's pre-selected and obviously we can't prove any of these things but it is much harder to be impartial at pro level because everyone is just more friendly at that point and I think that's where it might get more challenging for for promoters and judges to be like you know um, clean as a whistle in that respect
0: yeah I totally understand because um, I've been there as a competitor uh, and I remember back in 2014 when I did the Vegas show, the world show, and uh, I didn't place. I was so, so upset and mm. I, oh, it's oh, polit- it's, uh, it's all this politics and everything. But then after reconsidering, rethinking, analyzing everything with clarity, with yes. more integrity, I realized that, you know, I, as you said, I shouldn't listen to people. Maybe I wasn't best you know at my best because it was show after show maybe my stage was not the greatest maybe i was not in a good mindset on my personal life Mm -hmm. and i realized you know maybe competing is not for me and uh it's, it's pointless to blame other people when you are the one responsible for your choices. And for. Yeah. And actually this was a big awakening moment for me when I completely changed my life around. And uh, you know, it was very, very sad. And I got very depressed after and I put 15 kilos in a month and mm. like so many things going on. But then at the same time, it was a huge awakening moment for me, for my identity from a spiritual perspective in so many ways. And I'm very, very grateful um to this and i'm um, you know i take it as it is it was a very good learning experience in my life and since that moment i stopped mm. accusing any other people if there's anything bad happening in my life
1: because- yeah and you you have peace when you you get that mindset right you know because um it's just taking a step back i actually remember seeing you one week out from that very show and um, we were all about to fly to Vegas, and we were in gym box. And I remember walking out, and I was like, I was laser focused. And, and even though I I didn't do that great that year, I think I got sixth in the pro lineup. But um, and I had got fifth the year before, so it turned out I was actually going to drop one place. And I had the similar environment. I thought, you know, I was like, oh I got robbed, and then I looked back and I was like, no, I just didn't make the condition. I got what I deserved. But I remember seeing you a week before, and we, I went down the stairs, and you were walking up, and hey, Andrea, how's it going? And you're like. Not good, not good. I've I've really had a big binge, and I was like, "You had a binge, but it's seven days out, and uh, it was nice that you were up front." I, I
0: can't really remember that, but for sure, I I wasn't really like one two weeks before. There was also lots of things happened uh, that happened in my personal life and yeah. completely took me off the rail. Um, I'm, psychologically, I was really messed up. uh Yeah, yeah maybe <laughs> maybe I will share the whole experience one day with the public. But yeah, uh, little,
1: yeah know, sorry. <laughs> pardon oh, that was a little teaser. Sorry about that.
0: No, no, no. It's, I'm, I'm very glad that you mentioned it because you know I'm, i I got to a point now that I'm very grateful for everything that happened because it built me on who I am today, and I took so many other good decisions for my life, and I cleared so many things in my life that were, yeah. you know, just keeping me at a very low vibration. So yeah. I'm indeed, I'm very grateful to that. Um we talked about cons most of the, the, the um yeah. our interview today, but how what are the pros? What why would you suggest people to compete other than just getting in a in a good shape, obviously?
1: Okay, you put me on the spot there. I mean, um <laughs> I think there is a certain type of human being that um is is body focused. And I think this this is unfortunately hand in hand with a type of body dysmorphia. So There is two ways, I guess, to manage body dysmorphia. The short-term fix is to improve your body image in your own mind's eye, which for most people involves losing weight, getting competition ready, whatever it might be. A longer-term way is to maybe start thinking about more holistic stuff like attaching your feeling of self-worth to things other than your appearance mm-hmm. but this is probably too much for most people and i think younger people struggle with this kind of mindset mm-hmm. so it's easy for a younger person to say well the best fix is for me to be more confident be more happy by looking better yes. and although i didn't not i was not aware of that mindset it was just a subconscious decision i chose the the quick fix mm-hmm. so i guess that can be seen as a pro because i went through this process and um, yeah, I felt great about myself. And for many years, although there was little dips where I felt I'm not so pleased, I went from somebody who, it's hard to say I was like fully ever happy with my body, but I got to a point, I think it was 2015, when I got my best result world, when someone said to me, so what are you gonna do? You like trying to get bigger? And I was like, nope. They were like, what? but you're always trying to get bigger. I was like, no, I'm, I'm happy with everything now. I'd be like, this is good. I just need to like, come on a bit tighter next time. You know, like that was the thing. But saying to someone, I genuinely don't want to get anything bigger on my body. I'm happy at 95 kilos with 3% body fat. So that made me very happy. I felt like I'd reached this like elixir of life where I was pleased with my physique. So I guess relating this back to other people, and again, it's a, it's a double-edged sword because that's a kind of a healthy mindset. But uh, you know, um, I think most people are, are, would see the pros of competing as getting in the best shape of their life, mm-hmm. something I can always look back on. So at the moment, I'm like 12% body fat, but whenever I want to feel good, I can look at my old pictures. And I can show my family, I can show my kids one day, look what daddy did. So it's it's an achievement, you know, to do.
0: It's an achievement, indeed. It's a
1: sporting achievement. And Um,
0: also a confidence builder for those who are passionate about fitness and they don't know where to go, what to do, how to do.
1: Yes. Um, and you know, if people can work with a coach and have a, a support networks, so they can maybe avoid these pitfalls of, uh, you know, the rebound of body dysmorphia and the, the loss of the ego boost, and the identity, yeah. thing, then, then it can be a really positive thing. Um, and I think having a support network is very useful. I've coached a lot of girls and guys who have not really had anyone to talk to about it you know they don't discuss it with their friends because their friends aren't into it so then the coach ends up being the um, psychologist which is never a good thing yeah a
0: great thing about this is also creating a com- community I met so many amazing people yeah. and, and fitness and competing and wherever you go in the world you feel like oh you know I have my family here I have my ha- family here we're supporting each other and yeah. uh, I think this is great too
1: definitely and like you said like you said um, there's a sporting achievement there and I remember that when I first started competing I had this sense of relief that I could, I had a legitimate reason to be training all the time and obsessing about my diet because my friends used to say, Oh, why you, why are you doing this? You know, like, what's the point? You know, why do you spend so long in the gym? So then after us competing, when I got my pro card, I could be like, I'm a professional athlete, darling. <laughs> <laughs> like, leave me alone. I'm training. I'm professional. Um, and that, that changed the mindset then it was like okay i'm doing this because I'm, I'm going to be the best i'm doing a sporting event and not many people get to attend a world championship event and, and to place cool. so i thought you know what um this is as close as i'm ever going to be to being the best at something in the whole world and then so that was my justification
0: that's awesome thank you all for watching pro body talks we will be bringing you more guests in my upcoming episodes great inspirational human beings so stay tuned we have a lot of valuable information that i hope will inspire you all in the meantime you can support us by subscribing to my patreon account thank you and goodbye everyone